So I told you throughout the first quarter of the year, we'll be looking at some different parts of our vision. Uh, We have a four-part vision here at Coastline Community Church, and it's this. We have a vision to impact future generations for Christ. We have a vision to present Christ in a relevant way to the culture he's placed us in. That was Zacchaeus a couple weeks ago. We have a vision to represent Christ in every neighborhood on the Space Coast, which we'll talk about today. We have a vision to show the compassion of Christ through action to the hurting, hopeless, and needy, which we will talk about the last Sunday in February. You don't want to miss next Sunday. Next Sunday is we have a vision to impact future generations. We, we spend a lot of our resource here on children and youth, and we always will. Uh, we believe it's important. The world goes after our young people, and we, we got to go after them too for God's purposes. And so uh, you're going to get to be a part of a, a children's service. You'll see a lot that goes on in early childhood development, zero to five. And then also our youth band is going to be leading worship. You don't want to miss that. You may want to bring your earplugs, but you don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome, and then you'll get to be a part of a a mock children's service and a youth service, and it is going to be amazing, and so you don't want to miss that. Please make plans to be here next week, but today we are, we're going to talk about we have a vision to represent Christ in every neighborhood on the Space Coast, and and there's so many different stories in the Bible of how uh, uh, whole households are saved, And, and you know, the Bible says that we're the light of the world, and what good does it do to light a lamp and hide it? The Bible also says we're the salt of the earth. And so, so what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? And so we're called by God to, to, to be an impact player in the neighborhood, in the workplace, wherever he's placed us in life. You know, I, I've often heard it said, and I've said it many times, we, we are to be a thermostat Christian and not a thermometer Christian. We are to be a a thermostat person and not a thermometer. Do you know what that means? That means that we should set the tone. We should set the temperature for the environment that we're in. We should not adapt to it. Does that make sense? And so full of the Word of God, full of the Spirit of God, we should be prepared to change the environment in which God chooses to place us in. And one of those environments is our neighborhood. And we have this... It is a really, really cool story, and it is long, and so I'm going to have to talk faster than usual if that's possible. <laughs> and so you're going to have to listen faster. I was praying with my dad on the phone this morning. He said, man, my pastor preached a great message last week. And I said, well, what would you do? That? Didn't you go to a conference the week before that, Dad? He goes, I did. I said, he preached the same way he always preached. You just listen better. <laughs> listen fast today. How many of you have ever heard of Cornelius in the Bible? Cornelius? So a lot of us have not. Or a lot of us are never going to raise our hands regardless. Um, Cornelius, and we're going to get into who he is, but but it's an amazing happening that happens between Cornelius and Peter. So let's just get in Acts 10 if you have your Bible. Acts 10. And we'll read the first five verses, and then I'm going to tell Peter's side of the story, and then we'll pick the story back up uh, in around verse 30 of Acts chapter 10. But if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 10, 1 through 5. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. 
Father, help us today to take from this word, to be more of who you've called us to be, to be a light, to be prepared to share what the gospel and, and the hope that you bring to our world. In Jesus' name, amen. So just through verses 1 through 5, we see Cornelius, he was a prominent man. He was a centurion. He was a, a faithful man. The Bible says he was a devout prayer. He feared God. But, but he was a Gentile. Now, that may not mean a lot to many of you who have not studied the Bible, but at, at this point, the gospel, in so many words, had been reserved for the Jews. And Jews did not associate with Gentiles. And so the Jews were the chosen ones uh, uh, that, that had been expecting the Messiah, but they weren't the only people who were devout to God and loved God. And so I want to make a point here that you may know many people in your neighborhood or in your workplace or whatever environment God places you in that are very, very good people, and they believe in God, and in their heart they love God, but they don't know Jesus. See, we can't relegate the lost to drug addicts only. We can't relegate the lost to, to belligerent people. We can't relegate the lost to the down and out of society. We can't just relegate the lost to a certain, certain type of person. I mean, we live around people who are good people, who are involved in the community, who, who would, would help you if you knocked on their door at midnight. Who, are, who, who think that are God-fearing people, but they don't know Jesus. And here Jesus says, you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. Now, here, here's Cornelius and he's praying and an angel of the Lord shows up and, and he's scared, right? And again, every time an angel shows up in the Bible, someone gets scared, right? We've discussed that before. I don't know where the little fat angels came from, but that's not what angels look like because <laughs> that's not going to scare you. It's going to make you feel funny, but it ain't going to scare you. So he, says, right. so he says, send for Peter. Now, there's a problem here because Peter is a Jew. Peter, disciple Peter, preached on, the, preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter denied Christ. Peter, Peter who was reinstated. Peter who said, I'll never leave you. Peter in the garden with the sword. We know Peter, right? You may not have known Cornelius, but hopefully you know who Peter is. So Peter is about his business, and, and amazing things are happening in Peter's life, in Peter's ministry, and the New Testament church is exploding. So Peter's taking a rest at another guy's house. His, his name's also actually Simon. This is part of the story I'm going to tell you. This is a, I'm going to catch you up to verse 30. And so he's staying at, at Simon the Tanner's house, and so Peter goes up to, take, uh, to, to relax while they prepare him something to eat. And the Bible says he falls into, uh, one version calls it a trance, one calls it a dream. But either way, he relaxes. And, and in, this, in this trance or type of dream that he's in, he sees a sheet come down. And the sheet has, how many corners does the sheet have? Four. The sheet has four corners. And the four corners of this sheep are unfolded before Peter. And inside of the sheet as it's unfolded are all manners of animals, hooved and unhooved and insect, I mean, everything, things that crawl on the earth. And Peter hears the Lord say, arise and eat. And Peter says, surely not, Lord, for you know that I've never eaten anything that's uncommon or unclean. But then again, arise and eat. And so several times Peter is told to, to get up and, and, and then God says, look, what God has, has made clean, no man can make unclean. What God has made common, no man can make uncommon. And then the sheep, the, the sheep, <laughs> may have been a sheep in there, I don't know. <laughs> the sheep is sucked back up and, and Peter awakes. Now, when Peter awakes, 
he goes out into the courtyard and he's still wondering what this vision means. And there at the gate of the yard of this house stand three men. Guess where they were from? Cornelius' house. And they invite Peter, our Matt, they say, uh, we've been sent, would you please come with us? There's a dialect that goes on there. Peter's saying, you know Jews don't associate with you guys. What are you talking about? You know, and, and then there's an argument. But then Peter finally says, but God has shown me that what he has made clean, no man can make unclean. Come stay the night and I'll go with you tomorrow. This is where, we, and so they make the journey to Cornelius' house. You guys still with me? All right, now here we go. Acts 10, verse 30. Peter gets there and Peter asks the question, what do you want from me? Cornelius answered. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now, now this, is where, this is where it gets good. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. In other words, there's an audience of hope. There is an audience that is sitting there. He's got his whole family, and he's, a, he's an important man. He's part of a regiment, if not the leader, the centurion of the regiment. And so everyone, the King James Version, I I believe, puts it, everyone under his care gathers in his house to hear what Peter has to say. They all know Cornelius is a good man. He's a God-fearing man. He's a devout man. He's a faithful man. He prays to God. Peter, what do you have to say? So this story does many things for us. First of all, for me, it tells me I need to be prepared on how to express to my neighbors who Jesus is. And before I do what Peter does here, I've got to live that way. We'll talk about that. I've got to be humble. I've got to live out Christ in front of them. But, but let's get going on this story because this, this is paramount for the New Testament church. You have to understand that Cornelius is the first Gentile convert in the New Testament church. This is the first time anyone outside, from the time that the gospels start, the first time that anyone outside of just pure Jewish or half-Jewish blood have accepted the message of Jesus Christ. This is, this is huge. This was huge. This was paramount. This never happened. So here we go. Number one, the audience of hope. In the hope of the gospel, the audience finds acceptance. Acts 10, 34 through 35, then Peter began to speak. So he's talking to the whole household of Cornelius and all under his care. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. In other words, Peter's saying, I've had it wrong. God has shown me that he shows no favoritism. Can I tell you today that Bible says God is no respecter of persons. You can't have enough money to win God's approval. You can't be a certain color to win God's approval. You can't be of certain status to win God's approval. He shows no favoritism. He sent his only son to die for each and every one of us that breathe the air of the earth that we walk on all four corners of it. The the, the audience of hope finds acceptance in the gospel. Do you you remember uh, recess? 
And in recess, sometimes they, they, you know, recess, I think, was created for teachers more than kids. And then, and then along came where you had to take PE and they told you what to do. But recess was fun because recess, you got to do whatever you wanted to, right? And so there was always a football laying around and you, and you pick teams, right? And so, yeah, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you. And I always felt bad for the last person that got picked. It was kind of like, ah, yeah, come on. And, you know, you always tell that person to go long, right? You're like, what do you want me to do? Go long. <laughs> and, 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 you know, as adults, we don't change much. As adults, we have things called country clubs. And we have things, high society places. We have certain status symbols that we have. And, and, and we judge people and we size people up very quickly on how they dress or what they drive or, or, or who, you know, these types of things. And, and Peter is saying, I have been doing that in reference to the Gentiles, but now God has shown me this gospel that I've been preaching accepts everyone. There is no favoritism. Every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. That may be some of you here today. And you may say, Jason, I, I, I've, I've feared God in my whole life. You know, I, I feel like I've went to church and, and kind of known about God, but never really, really knew God. And we'll get to that in a moment. But, but I'm just here to tell you today that in the hope of the gospel, there's acceptance. Number two, the audience of hope may know about God but not know God. We were just talking about that. And, and you remember in, in the message of Zacchaeus and how we talked about how interested our world is in Jesus. And we live among people in our neighborhoods that maybe know about God, but don't know really know God because the Bible says the only way to the Father is through the Son. So until you have a relationship with Jesus, you may know about God, but you can't really know God, Acts 10 36 and 37, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Verse 37, you know, that, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. So Peter is now reflecting on, look, I know you've heard what's been going on. I know you, you heard about Judea, and I know you heard how it started in Galilee, and I know you heard about this crazy guy out in the wilderness named John. I know you've heard all of these things. So Peter is setting the stage and playing off the knowledge that Cornelius and those around him have of God. They have a knowledge of God. He's a devout man. He's a faithful man. And so Peter is setting the stage up to move into, it's not enough just to know God, to know about God. You have to know God. I mean, think about it just for a second. Most everyone you run into has heard of Christmas. Would you agree? Okay, there's a starting point. Christmas, Christ. Yeah, we, we said, wow, is right. Oh, I never, <laughs> you know, some people. Easter, most people have heard of Easter. A lot of people come to church on Christmas and Easter because they, they know God and they feel like they want to love. Most people have heard that there's a book called the Bible, right? And, and, and most people have, have heard whisperings of, of maybe about Jesus. 
but have never had anyone really say, you know what, he's all accepting and it's not just enough, it's not enough just to be a good person. It's not enough just to know about God. There is a way that you can know God. And that's what Peter's about to, Peter's crossing a threshold. Peter is going where no man has gone before. Peter's going into the proverbial space of religion here. He's like, going. he is reaching out to an entire, you and I sit in this room today by virtue in some ways of this story in the Bible. Because we've been, the Bible says we've been grafted in. Paul talks a lot about that in Romans. All throughout Romans, Romans 11 especially, talks about how we are branches grafted into the family of God. Cornelius was the first one grafted into the family of God as far as someone being outside of a Jew. And so Peter, Peter's crossing this threshold and he's setting the stage of, all right, now you've heard about all this that's going on. Now let's get into what's really going on. Number three, there's power in the hope of the gospel. Acts 10, 38 and 39. You've heard about this. You've heard about John's baptism. Then he goes on in verse 38 and says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. There is power in the hope of the gospel. When is the last time that you prayed for a neighbor? When is the last time you prayed in faith for a neighbor? I mean, I, I, I've met people that would cuss me up one side, down the other. I've met all kinds of people, but I have never met someone who needed prayer that if I offered to pray with them has said no, ever. If they really were in a situation, I, I, I had this, uh, this neighbor one time and he was, he was a character reminded me of myself one day, actually. And, and he, and he, he was in a financial situation and had this massive, massive boat and really needed to sell the boat. And, and, uh, I'm not even so sure he knew what I did. I don't know. But anyway, and so I kind of built a relationship with him, and he really, 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 really needed to sell his boat. It was a big boat. It was worth a lot of money. And, and, um, and I said, well, have you prayed about it? And he just looked at me like, I mean, he just looked at me. You, you know people like that. They just look at you. Like, is this a trap? Like, what are you asking me right now? And so I saw the look on his face, and I said, well, could I pray with you about it? And he's like, uh, do I need to put my drink down? Yeah. <laughs> you can if you want to. I don't, I don't care. So, so it's a big guy. I mean, big, big guy. And so I put my hand on his shoulder, kept one eye open. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to close your eyes to pray. Put my hand on his shoulder. I said, Lord, you know so-and-so. You've known him his whole life. You knew him before he was born. God, you know his situation right now, and you know, you know that you know that he needs, right now at this point of his life, he needs to sell this boat. And you know there's somebody out there that you've blessed that could really, really, this boat could be a blessing to them. God, so we're just going to pray right now. God, we're just going to put it in your hands. Would you sell this boat? And I'm not kidding you. Nothing's, obviously, nothing special about me and my prayer. The point, my point was, is I just wanted to pray with the guy. And I, in the back of my mind, going, I'm God, sell that boat. <laughs> because, here's the deal, here's the deal. Because that would open up more conversation about this God. 
right? How many opportunities do we miss? And God's going, pray with them, pray with them. There's power in the gospel. There's power. There's, and this is what Peter's trying to tell. There's, Peter's telling the whole story here. There's power. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the gospel. And so how many opportunities do we miss to pray with people? It's not our responsibility to see whether or not the prayer is answered. It's only our responsibility to be a good neighbor and to say, hey, you know what? Can I pray with you about that? Can I pray? And do you know, I'm not kidding you, do you know that boat sold in two days? I'm not, and we're, we're talking three-figure boat, right? We're, not, we're talking like that should have taken a while, like for financing or whatever. Somebody came along and said, hey, been looking for a boat just like this. They knew everything about the boat, and they gave, wrote him a check. So, so, watch this. It wasn't, it was that next Thanksgiving, and my son was in the hospital. And he came out and said, Happy Thanksgiving. How are you doing? I said, We're doing all right. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to the hospital. And, he go, and I said, Why? I told him my son was in the hospital. And he goes, he goes, Well, out of his own mouth, I will. I'll pray for him. And it just almost made me want to cry. Right? And, and I said, I know you will. And I appreciate that. Take the opportunity. There's power in the hope of the gospel. Jesus goes into the temple and he unrolls a scroll in Luke. I believe it's Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That was Jesus Christ's vision statement. He was saying this, he was fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah when he went into the temple and he sat down, he opened up the scroll and it opened right up to Isaiah where these same words are written about the Messiah. And it was right along in the daily reading. That's what was to be read that day at that time. In that moment of history in that temple, there was no coincidence. Jesus showed up and he read, and this is what he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's, and he's not talking about poor, poor in material sense. He's talking about poor in spirit, poor to those who don't know they need a Messiah, poor to those who maybe think they, Cornelius, I've come to pre- preach to people like Cornelius. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Spiritually speaking, Jesus is saying, this is the gamut that I'm going to run. This is why I'm here. This is what I came to do. And if you sit in this room today and you would say, God has done that through me having a relationship with Jesus. He and spiritually, he has set me free from things. He has healed my heart of bitterness. He has taken away the blindness of the fact that I even needed a savior. He set me free from things in my life that were holding me back. I've got a question for you. Are you a witness to that? That's how we represent Christ in every neighborhood on the Space Coast. Because if, 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 you, keep, if you keep going, you go, we said we were going to read Acts 10, 38 and 39. So go to verse 39. Peter says this, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. So now Peter has said, you've heard what's going on. Obviously, God's into this. He shows no favoritism. Jesus went about doing what Jesus came to do. 
And then, and then we see what Jesus came to do from Luke 4, 18. And Peter says, I am here as a witness to tell you that what you've heard is true. I am here. He's, he's standing before all who are under Cornelius' care. And he says, I am here to explain to you, to be a witness to you, that I was a witness to everything you've heard about. So this Jesus you've heard about, this Jesus it, it, you've heard about in the region of Judea and then Galilee, this, this John that was baptizing, and then this Jesus that you've heard about, all of these things are true, and they killed him for it. Peter said, I was a witness. Standing before you is a witness. And we should be a witness to those around us who maybe love God and know about God, but don't know God through Jesus. See, we may be the only Bible that people ever read. We may be the only Jesus that people ever see. And so Peter's saying, I I witnessed all of this. And that goes all the way back to being brave enough to share your story. Sharing your story. Are are you willing to just be real with people and share your story? Of how, how, you know, because some people may look at you in your neighborhood and and be like, man, they got it going on. They're... Their family must be perfect, and look at what they drive, and, and look at how well manicured their yard is. And, ha! <laughs> look at, look at, they go, da 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 and they have this perception of you. But do, do they have a perception of Jesus Christ? Do they have a perception of you were lost, but now you're fly, found? You were blind, but now you see? Do they have a perception of maybe you were bound up in some things and God set you free from that? Maybe Do they have a perception of your marriage was in trouble at one point, but God came in and rescued and restored what the enemy was trying to tear apart? Are you a witness to who Jesus really is? Are you a witness to that? Keep going in the story, and Peter's laying it down right here. The audience of hope, we all have one. The hope of the gospel offers forgiveness through the resurrection. Acts 10, 10 through 43, still Peter talking. But God, they, they, they killed him and hung him on a tree. They hung him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he was the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him, watch this, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Go back to the point, please, Kim. The hope of the gospel offers forgiveness through the resurrection. Let's just stop playing games for one moment and you look inside of your heart and you say, do I really, really, really believe that Jesus Christ was crucified, put in a grave, and he rose from that grave on the third day? Because that is it, my friend. That, that is our faith. 
And you can come to church and you can be a good person and you can know the Bible from front to back. But until you settle in your heart that you believe he is the Messiah, that he did live a sinless life, that they did hang him on a tree and kill him and that they did place him in a grave. Until you settle in your own heart that you believe with all of your heart that the power of God rose him out of that grave on the third day, you're not getting there. It's called church hokey pokey. I got half my heart in. I got half my heart out. I got half my heart in. Uh. Listen, the hope of the gospel offers forgiveness through the resurrection. The resurrection should not be something that we dodge as Christian people. We serve a Savior that is alive. Yes, he was a prophet. Yes, he was a great prophet, which all of our society and culture would recognize, and they even do to this day. Most religions cannot, they, they can't say that he didn't exist, so they just call him a great prophet. But there is no other great prophet that was placed in a grave for three days and there is no other great prophet that rose out of a grave after those three days and there is no other great prophet that's coming back for his children one day that is Jesus Christ that's the resurrection young people in this room right now do not be ashamed of your faith don't be ashamed that you serve a living God one that was placed in a grave and rose out of that grave to prove that he is the Messiah to fulfill the prophecy that that was actually going to happen. There is hope in the gospel because it offers the forgiveness of sin through the resurrection. Yes, you've heard about it. Yes, it's accepting. Peter says, yes, you've heard about John. Peter says, and, they, and Jesus went about doing his deal, healing people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you've heard. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, they hung him on a tree, but then he, on the third day, he was raised from the dead, and he was seen by many people, and, and, and so Peter's a witness. Peter's a witness to the resurrection. Listen, you've got you to solidify that in your heart. That, that's our, our blessed hope hinges on the fact. He, I, 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 I don't understand, and I, well, that'll offend too many people. I won't say it. Jesus is not in the grave, and he's not on the cross. He's alive. He's alive at the right hand of the throne of God our Father, making intercession for us every day of our life. Thank God for that. He is our advocate. He prays for us daily, and he is coming back for us one day. There's somebody in your neighborhood who needs hope, and hope comes through knowing that I can be forgiven no matter what I've done and forgiveness comes through the cross and the cross leads to the burial the burial leads to the resurrection yes Friday happened but Sunday did come hope in the resurrection hope you 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 know patty cake Christianity you can have all the bumper stickers you want and you can have all the little ringtones you want on your phone. And you can have uh, your Bible laying in your cubicle. And all those things are great. And, and you can do all this stuff. But you got to dig deep inside of your own heart because your faith is your faith. And you have to come to a place. Do I really believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And man, when you get to that place, there's power in that. What can mere man do to me? I serve a God that's alive. So the Bible says. Wow. Changes the way you live. And for far too long, I think as, as Christian people, we would, 
Yeah, 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 I believe in Jesus. Yeah, he's the Messiah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I dare you, I challenge you, don't dare you, I challenge you this week just, just to think about the resurrection. Think about, think about Jesus being in that grave and coming out of that grave alive. Think about those angels. And we're, we're going to celebrate Easter soon. Think about those angels saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why, why are you being stupid? He's, he, has, he told you, just like he told you, he has risen. Just like he told you. He was going to be put here, for, but he has risen. The hope of the gospel offers forgiveness through the resurrection. There is an audience of hope in your life right now that needs to see you live your life believing in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And through that, in verse 43, it says, verse 43, All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Cornelius is a faithful man. Cornelius is a devout man. Cornelius is giving to the poor. Cornelius is praying every day to God. He is a man of respect. He he is a man of authority. He is a good man. But no one's ever told him that the forgiveness of his sins only come through his name, the name of Jesus. Wow, game changer. You guys seen that commercial where the, the guys take the fence? Yes. The football commercial you're talking about? And they take the fence, and she calls her husband. Because, you know, you've seen defense at football games. You hold up the fence with D in a fence. Have you seen this? Help me. Okay, 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 okay. And then she calls you. Honey, you did it again. And he goes, what? And she says, the fence is, the fence is gone. And then his buddies go, What? <laughs> This is a what moment for Cornelius and all under his care. He's like, wait a minute. Oh, there's, there's a light bulb that's coming on here. I need, I need to confess Jesus. Watch what happens. Verse, verse last thing. The audience of hope, the hope of the gospel is for all. We started with acceptance. Now we're going back to all. If you're serving communion, you can be dismissed right now and go, go as quick as you can. Thank you. The hope of the gospel is for all. Again, we started with acceptance. We're going to end about this hope. There, there is no one outside of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no one outside of that hope. Acts 10, 44-48. So while Peter is relaying the knowledge that he has been a witness to, the Holy Spirit had been working from the outside in on Cornelius' heart. And then when the truth of the resurrection comes to the forefront of the audience, the Holy Spirit shows up. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Verse 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said... Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. No kidding. Hey, dude, you want to hang around? 
This is good stuff. Peter wasn't even supposed to be associated. God shows him, yes, you need to go. He shows God, Cornelius sent for him. Peter lays it out. He lays it out so clear. And when he gets to the part about the resurrection and the part of forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit no longer is working from the outside in. The Holy Spirit falls on that group of people there. And, and then watch what happens. Watch what happens. The circumcised, which means the Jews, they get mad. And they have their own what moment. They get, I, I've literally been involved in churches before who someone who has attended that church their whole life watch some, watches someone else get saved and God starts doing miracles in that person's life and the person that's, that's been in church their whole life resent it. I've heard it come out of their own mouth. Oh, let Coastline never be a church like that. Let you never be a person like that. God saves someone and starts doing amazing things in a short amount of time in their life that he's never done in their life. Praise God for them. Peter says, stop. No, no, no. Who are we to say they can't be baptized? For they've received the same Holy Spirit that we have. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Wow. There was an audience, and they were looking for an extent, extension of God that they didn't even know they were looking for. They're good people. Cornelius was a good person. A very, very good person. But he didn't know Jesus. And there'll be many people one day who stand before God and say, but God, I believed in you. And God, I did good things. And God, I did this and that and this and that and this and that. And he's going to have to say the words that he never intended to say to humanity. Depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because you never confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior. You never received the free gift of salvation. Raina and I had a discussion about this last night, and we went back and forth. Believe it or not, you are most of our life. <laughs> Every once in a while we talk about something else, something meaningful like football or... No, just kidding. And, and, and we're talking about salvation, and we're talking about all this. It is a gift. It is free. It's freely given, but it has to be received. And my strong prayer coming in today, the Holy Spirit will be working on some of your hearts in this service and, and some hearts that are going to be in the 10 o'clock service and some hearts that are going to be in the 1130 service and some of the hearts of people listening across the world that we now know on our website happens and some, some the hearts of some people who can't get out of their house but they still listen online. Perhaps the Holy Spirit would not only work from the outside in today but fall and work from the inside out and let, let there be a light bulb that comes on that we need Jesus. Jesus Christ as our Savior. For no one comes to the Father except through the Son. The gospel is for all. I could keep going, but I won't. We're about to have communion. We have an open communion here. Here's the thing. The only thing, we, we, we just go by biblical standards. First of all, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's, that's first and foremost. Second, the Bible says if there's sin in your life, there's sin in your life. You need to deal with God. You and God need to deal with that before you have communion. That's why we give a time of reflection. And I, I encourage you not to talk while people are being served. It, it's not a talking time. It's a time for you to focus on God. But maybe you're like Cornelius here and you're here today. 
Maybe you say, you know what? I didn't know. I know I've known about God and I've heard about this Jesus, but I didn't know that forgiveness only come forgiveness from God, the one true God, only comes through Jesus Christ. So what the Bible says. So if you if you're gonna believe the Bible, which we do here at Coastline, we're not gonna argue that with you. We believe all of it. So if you believe the Bible, the Bible says that the forgiveness that comes from God, the all-knowing God, the God that created everything that we know comes through his gift of his son to us and us receiving that gift of salvation. Have you done that? Would you bow your heads all over this place? Maybe you're here today, you say, Jason, I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ. I never have. But I know today I feel God knocking on the door of my heart and I need to be saved. I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I need forgiveness in my life. If that's you, slip your hand up. We want to pray with you all over this place. I need you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. That's awesome. Anyone else before we pray? I need Jesus. I need to give my heart to Jesus today. I need change. If that was you and you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And when we're done praying, either come up to this table and meet somebody or go out to the tent and get a Bible and get a devotion. But right now, in this moment, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you. I'm in this chair today, and right now I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. And I believe with all my heart they placed him in a grave. And I believe with all my heart he rose from that grave. And I believe with all my heart he's coming back for me one day. So right now, God, take my life. I put my faith in Jesus. I accept your love, your grace, and your mercy. But most of all, your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name.